You're listening to the Green Majority Radio Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. We have a good show today with uh, a whole bunch of issues being tied up basically around activist uh, activism. We talk about uh, Kinder Morgan, of course, the big announcement with DAPL. If you appreciate the show and you'd like to hear more of it, though, please go to Patreon and become a member. You can do that at www.patreon.com slash Green Majority and sign up today. Enjoy the show. here at CIUT 89.5 FM. And uh, it's just Stefan and I today, so I'm back in the uh, in the tech chair today. So what we're going to do, of course, there was a few, I feel like there was a few really big stories with so many nuances and so many things that it touches that it's sort of like it's the show today basically is about two stories and the five million things <laughs> that are correlated to those two stories. In fact, the two stories could arguably even be done in like a single segment if we had other things we needed to talk about. Oh, yeah, we could definitely have a uh, have a pretty good time connecting all of the things. Right. So here's what's going to happen because I'm teching and uh, and I've got a bunch of my own stuff over here. Stefan is essentially going to lead us today and then I'm going to do my favorite thing anyway, which is just jump in randomly with comments. So Stefan, would you please start us off? Sure thing. Uh, welcome everybody to the Green Majority. Uh, so the biggest news that I've uh, of the of the week uh, happened only a couple days after we. Uh our last show, uh, and so it's it's had some time to develop actually. So it's of course the that the easement uh, in uh, in no D, no DAPL to go to Access Pipeline and the battle that's going on there uh, is. Um, so there's, there's there's a whole bunch of things. It's interesting. It's like it's like everyone's like yelling victory and all those sort of things, and like all the, and then everyone's like maybe not victory. And there's it's 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 a it's a bit of a thing to unravel. Uh, and luckily, uh, some very smart people on the internet did that unraveling for us, and I get to sort of just unravel the unravelment. Don't have time to read. Exactly. No. Just listen to us speak. Of course, reading also doesn't come with all my sarcastic comments. That's true. That is no, there is no, no additional pieces. There is no replacement for that. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is uh, this is in part pulled from Andy Pearson's wrap-up of, of what the easement means and then with some extra updates uh, at the end from what's, well, how the company has now actually responded to this fact. Uh, so to begin with the very basic, uh, the Army Corps, uh, the U.S. Art Corps of Engineers uh, denied the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, what is called the, an easement, um, which is basically uh, it's it, it basically an easement is is is, is just saying you can do this. Yeah, it's more it's it's e- easing of the rule. So it's basically it was them giving them permission to not do stuff that they're supposed to do to go ahead with the pipeline. Yes. It's basically it's giving them an exemption to uh, a bunch of requirements that would otherwise apply. Yeah, it's it's, it's saying yes. Um and and this is a uh and, and it should not be it should not be understood that this is a massive win for the water protectors who have led uh this fight. Uh this is an amazing accomplishment, arguably perhaps one of the more historic uh successes in the recent environmental movement. Um and of course and all that excitement you can get built up into places like okay, but what does this actually mean? And so what it means really is that when they've denied that, uh they also ordered an environmental impact statement. Which is, if you know Canadian law, similar to an environmental assessment here. Uh, 
basically, the idea is it's it's that you 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 have these sort of three ways. You sc- there's scoping, there's draft, and there's final. It gives the ability for p- the public to comment on it, and it's it's really just to figure out whether or not uh, you know this is going to be safe. Uh, it's the same thing that you know that theoretically the NEB is doing. Uh, well, actually, theoretically the government is doing, and the NEB was a, was a secondary step to that. Um, and all these, like, it's 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 what the government is supposed to do on these on these projects. You have to commit these different. You know, it will impact the, this much. These are ways we cannot impact things, basically. Um, and but what's interesting in this particular thing is that uh, requiring this is is really just hitting a pause button. Uh, it's not a stop, which is key. Uh, but it is a pause, which is also key. It's it is stopping, and, and the reason why the fact that the pause is so important um, uh, is is that there's actually a bunch of things imp- that are relying on the abil- on actually the, the speed of which this pipeline gets built, hmm. uh, which we'll get to in half a second. Well, the speed and and we'll get to that after, but just uh, the speed and possibly the thing that could actually kill it, just not for sure. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, and so right now, as we, we we're sort of seeing in limbo. Uh, because there's a big question of will this actually stop construction? Um, and so theoretically, uh, it's, it's now illegal for the energy transfer partners to drill under the Missouri. Um, however, there's a couple options of what's the good, how they've, uh, as I'll, the update at the end is them saying, we're gonna, we want to do it anyways. Uh, and the other option, even if they get a second no, is to just actually do it anyways and pay the fines they get for actually just doing it. Now, I think that one might be at this point, given the amount of attention, it might go even t- too far, even for them. Uh, but they're still they're still working on ways to get around it, um, and that is obviously so. It's 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 not it's not fully guaranteed that this actual pause or that or that this environmental impact assessment will or, it will go through, or sorry, the the environmental impact statement will go through. Because um, the next question, which everyone is asking. Um, is 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 what about Trump? Right. Well, actually, sorry. Before we get to that, I have a couple of numbers. Yeah. If, we can, if I can interject in before that, so specifically, so, was well, some of the stuff that I found so interesting. Numbers was that up until this point, uh, the protesters have uh, impacted apparently uh, around a hundred million dollars. It's basically cost. Um, uh, energy transfer partners about a hundred million dollars, and the key date that you were talking about there is January first. Yeah, because on January first, uh, the the contracts of which so basically they're building the pipeline, and but all their all energy transfer partners is doing, uh, or more or less, is agreeing to essentially running the pipeline. Right, so they have agreements with other companies about where this oil goes. So this is a this is a whole mesh. It's not like this company owns you know the from from orchard to to table on this. They're owning a piece of it, and so they have uh, they have legal and financial. And, and commercial agreements with a variety of other companies that will provide the other services. So they have, they've gone into a partnership about this. All of those contracts expire on the 1st, and that doesn't kill them, but that means that it needs they all need to be renegotiated. And that is extremely important because the oil price of oil at the time when these agreements were signed, after which they cannot back out of them with, or without suffering immense legal uh, reprisals, uh, is is now is a very different situation, and so there's a very real question. Even before we get to Trump, there's a very real question that you know, even w- w- regardless of Trump, whether or not the people that originally signed that agreement when it was signed are still interested. And here's the other really important, interesting thing: uh, is that the delay. So say this gets delayed even by a few days. The simple fact of forcing them to re- to renegotiate these deals stands to cost Energy Transfer Partners apparently 913 million dollars, just shy of one billion dollars just if they can't start on time. Mm. 
And well, and in in this one last piece about these about the, this agreement that they have, which is that the shippers have to pay the money to the pipeline. Uh, the the pipeline company over the long time period, regardless of whether or not they actually get the oil. So the shippers are paying for the ability to ship the oil, not even necessarily the actual receival of the oil itself. You know, they're they're paying for the ability to get it. And so what's what's interesting about this particular piece is that they are now would be signing up. Like basically, these shippers have to be, are betting that it gets built. It's not just now, which is partially why I think you're seeing you're seeing so much fear from from energy transfers partners because if they can't convince these shippers that this thing will get built, then the shippers are basically just throwing their money away. Right, and it, before and I think like at first blush that might seem insane, but think of it this way, right? If you sign a lease for a car, and then you you know are in a horrible accident and can't drive, you still have to pay for the car. Right. So it's not that it's that basically situation. What they're saying is that for, you know, to be able to make plans when you're talking about oil infrastructure, you're talking about plans over decades. And the only way that that can happen, uh, because regardless of the political climate in any like even pre, you know, this has nothing to do with climate change. This is just business. Right. When you're making 10 year out plans. Um, if everybody decided every few years, well, okay, the situation's different. I'm going to rethink about it. Then no, nothing could, ev- no, no amount of planning could ever be done on that timeline, which means none of these types of projects would ever be built. Mm. My personal preferences mm. for that aside, um, that's that's how we get into this situation. Uh, and I'll save comments about how this could relate to government, you know, thinking forward as well later. But that, that's that's how we got here, right? So it's, the, and the reason I think that's important to point out before I, sorry, before I let you keep going with your piece there, Stefan, uh, is that this is, you know. You know, when they tell you that you know, oh, protest is not going to uh, work, or that you know, people power doesn't matter, and that at the end of the day, economics, or you know, what do you want the leaders to do? Uh, this is actually the leverage that that people have as far as stopping these projects, because th- because there's so much on the line, because there's so much assumption these projects will get done, any disruption whatsoever is going to cost them a lot of money, and they might be able to stomach one or two. One or two companies might be able to you know take devastating hits, but if you keep going and this keeps happening all of the trust in that market will go. It doesn't matter if the oil is worth anything. If none of the companies can can sign agreements because none of them can have any confidence in the system, the whole thing collapses. And I think that's extremely important to note. Oh, yeah. If, they, if, if, they, if, a, if a company stops, like the, the whole sort of the entire fight that the environment movement has been, has been a part of. And I don't want to actually, I don't want to conflate what the quote-unquote environment movement with the water defenders that are, that are, that are just fighting here. Correct, yes. They're, they're, rel- they're, they're quite separate. Um, but Overlapping but not the same. Exactly. Uh, but the, the part of this sort of fight against pipelines generally uh, has been under the mantra of removing their social license. And I think as the as more and more of your of your future of your of your of your your business relies on something that you know will be will be hamstrung and and so much as you said so much of business like this so much of all business is based on predictability you know so much so that you know you got oil, you got coal companies in Ontario once they knew they're being phased out begging to be regulated so they could at least understand what was what was being looking allow, at right? allow us to find a way to exist yeah or, or even yeah. just like let us understand like the what businesses want more than anything is stability and what this does is creates instability in in understanding how any of these sort of things might get happen and that's that fundamentally impacts how the market works um and and the, what makes sunday's what last sunday's important uh, this, e- this objective easement so important uh is that uh it means that it's very unlikely uh that by january 1st uh the etp uh uh so the, the pipeline will get built Unless, of course, they, 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 they break the law. 
which which actually let, so let's jump down a bit to the update and then we'll get back to what about Trump. Because the update, of course, is that Energy Transfer Partners, uh, this co- the company behind the Code Asset Pipeline, uh, has responded to the Army Corps engineer's denial of permit uh, by asking a federal judge to drill under the to let them basically drill under the Missouri River, anyways, and immediately. I think immediately is the important thing here, right? Because it's not so much that they that they will eventually get built; they need it to get built now, uh, and so that's that's the reason behind this sort of this this forceful act. Uh, and yet, there's some. Choice quotes, I'll, I'll say, uh, from the lawyers actually who are who are invested in trying to trying to remove this this hurdle for themselves. As uh, lawyers from the Energy Transfer Partners have argued that uh, the denial of permission by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers represented a quote transparent capitulation to political pressure, uh, and implored uh, the court to overrule the grant. Uh, then permission, uh, then grant the permission for the pipeline. I love the fact that apparently political pressure is a unreasonable thing to pay attention to uh, in in this scenario. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I actually have the full statement. Do you mind if I read? Yeah, I think yeah, the full sure. statement is very valuable. So I, I'm actually going to do a call out to our uh, friend of the show, Alexander Knight, who uh, has uh, I, <laughs> I I sort of apologized to him a little bit because he he sort of tags us on tweets all the time, but uh, sometimes his phrasing is a little bit stronger than I'm willing to endorse with at least the official channel. Uh, right. I occasionally favorite and retweet with my personal account, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, if you if you like a very colorful form of uh, uh, colorfully phrased, I think I mean I generally agree with his points across the board, but as, if you like the colorly phrased mm. environmental tweets uh please go ahead and follow alexander at alexander Knight. uh but he anyway so credit to him for cutting this out uh anyway so here's the statement part of the statement that was released uh by uh, uh energy transfer partners for more than three years now dakota access pipeline has done nothing but play by the rules i have a comment about that in a minute <laughs> the armor corps of engineers agrees and has said so publicly and in federal filings the core review process and its decision to have been ratified by two federal courts. The Army Corps confirmed this again today when it stated its policy decision does not alter the Army's position on the Corps' prior reviews and actions have been comported with legal requirements. In spite of consistently stating at every turn that the permit for the crossing of the Missouri River at Lake Oahe, uh, granted in July 2016, comports with all legal requirements, including those of an environmental assessment rather than an environmental impact statement, the Army Corps now seeks to engage in additional review and analysis of a turn of locations of the pipeline. The White House's directive today to the Corps to further delay it is just the latest in a series of overt and transparent political actions by an administration which has abandoned the rule of law in favor of currying favor with a narrow and extreme political constituency. Wow. Okay. I could scream for an hour about all of that, but I have to, I'm going to I'm going to be nice today. Uh, and Stefan knows uh, that already that that's going to be an additional challenge for me today. But uh, I have two brief comments and I'll save any any fire breathing for the bonus show. So uh, has, uh, so the first the first part of this for more than three years now, Dakota Access Pipeline has done nothing but play by the rules. They're correct in a way. So it depends what you what you think they're referring to. If you think they're playing by the rules means playing fair then that's not what they're talking about. And of course, by that assessment, that's not correct. They've instituted all sorts of political bullying behind the scenes. They were, uh, whenever the, you know, they were all fine to, to support the rule of law and say, hey, we're just an honest company trying to do, make an honest buck here until things didn't go their way. And then they basically thumbed their noses at the police and everybody, anyone else. They're basically, like, yeah, no, as soon as you, we're only playing nice because you're backing us. And the second you don't, we're going to basically say, you know, get out of my face. Uh, we're going to do it anyway. And, that, and they're being extremely brazen about, uh, and I think that actually that might have contributed to Obama's getting a little bit of backbone and finally stepping in here a little bit, uh, was just the degree to which they were transparently being like, yeah, we don't care. Uh, someone's coming in after you. We'll stall if we have to, but don't make us stall, but we will. And this pipeline will get built. Resistance is futile. 
Um, but what they mean is play by the rules is in play by the Washington rules, which is we donate to your campaign. You give us what we want. Those are the rules they're talking about. And as far as the political establishment and the level of laissez-faire type, just how things generally work in the real world, which is the real world is corrupt and it does incur favor for political points through uh, contributions uh, and that this is all like a big shell game about how rich and powerful people protect themselves, then yes, they did play by the rules and that's why they're so angry because they're like, hey, look, we donated to your campaigns. We defended you uh, and we expect something in return and you're not giving it to us. We're going to, you know, we're going to burn. This is war, essentially. And by that assessment, they're absolutely correct. (laughs) Um, well, yeah, and I think there's uh, like there's a it's an interesting piece there of this ongoing battle between you know like to some extent this f- f- blurring the lines of uh, of of like in reality the government is the regulator and or theoretically in the, not in reality theoretically the government is the regulator uh, and and the and these other company and, and all the companies trying to do different things in the land are, are the people being regulated uh, and so there should be a relatively I don't say antagonistic but should be a relatively separate and and you know and disparate uh, set of people on either side of these conversations. You know, the people setting up the rules for what we need to do something should not be the same people who are, tr- who are making money off it. Now, time and time again, it's, they're, they're, these lines are muddied, you know, in part because it's things like, well, the only people who know how to make these things correctly are the people who, are in the, who used to work there, and then all the friends are there, and it gets this, like, it, it gets into this rolling place of trying to do the best we can, which ends up creating this sort of scenario where a lot of this, the, it, it becomes very difficult to adequately regulate these sort of companies. Right. Um, and, so I... Yeah. I- uh, if you don't, I, I have a quick thing. I have another statement actually from this. The the Sue. Uh, yeah, sure, do that, and then I will go back to. I'll, I'll finish the uh, the brief information you need to know about that. I'll finish about Trump, and then we'll go from there. Right. Okay. So I was going to say I'll do that really quickly, and then it's actually time for break. So we'll we'll start with that when we come uh, come back. But I just because I just read the thing from that uh, uh, Energy Transfer Partners, I think this will make a good thing, uh, a good bookend. Because one of the things that we were hearing the whole time, uh, you know, and if you listen, all the statements from police, and if you were watching this on you know MSNBC or any any of those American uh, like uh, commercial media, uh, establishment media sources, there was a lot of like, well, you know, violent protests, violent protests, violent protests, blah, blah blah. You know, these aren't. And what did we hear? How many times? Uh, you know, all these. You know, many. Of these people, or there was basically an implication that you know these aren't actually people standing up for their rights like they say they are, and they're not really you know don't basically trying to stem sympathy, saying no, 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 no. it's just a bunch of people that are rabble rousers. They just want to cause trouble. This seemed like an, an easy place where they could get sympathy to cover for their for their mischievousness, and that's all that's really going on here. A bunch of troublemakers. So really interesting to point out. Uh, I was just like, I, I love the idea of like it's an easy place to be. There's like in the middle of a <laughs> snowstorm in North Dakota. That's the place you're yeah. going to be like, we're going to go hang out in the middle of a blizzard. North Dakota because it's the fun place to be because yeah, that's a real you know troublemaker <laughs> thing to do uh, but you know so two things about that one so they immediately uh, so as soon as this happened then the police you know had to go away because there was no problem anymore and and what happened so if we were if this was really if that was true then the second that the police backed off what, what would what would have happened well all hell would have broken loose right anything happened crickets mm-hmm. I wish I had a cricket sound effect right now no, there you go. nothing you know what happened they sat down they celebrated and they and they continued with their prayer circles and they were happy and nothing happened let me just really emphasize that point because of just how terrifyingly um, 
bad the reporting was. And that's even really being very polite. Uh, this is this from the evil, evil, selfish, and not really actually learn, you know, uh, not really looking for their concern. They're just being, you know, they're just troublemakers. This, this is the statement from, uh, um, uh, uh, sorry, I have to get his name. Where's his name in a second here. I, I want to name him uh, properly. Uh, uh, okay. I will have to come back to it. I'm sorry. Uh, so the Standing Rock Sioux try uh, leader, uh, Chief, uh, I think it was Chief Simon. So here's the, just the end of his statement. Treaties are paramount law and must be respected, and we welcome dialogue on how to continue to honor that moving forward. We are not opposed to energy independence, economic development, or national security concerns, but we must ensure that these decisions are made with the considerations for our indigenous peoples. To our local law enforcement, I hope that we can work together to heal our relationships as we work, as we all work to protect the lives and safety of our people. I recognize that extreme stress that the situation has caused and look forward to the future that reflects a more mutual understanding and respect. Again, we are deeply appreciative that the Obama administration took the time and effort to genuinely consider the broad spectrum of tribal concerns. In a system that has been continuously stacked against us from every angle, it took a tremendous amount of courage to take a new approach on our nation-to-nation relationship, and we will be forever grateful. The words of a true zealot. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to use that to go to break and unfortunately as a usual casualty of me uh doing the uh, music programming is uh i'm not a music programmer but i have been thinking a lot about gord downey so uh you know some of you may be uh, groaning because we do uh play tragically have a lot but i like it and alex will be back soon there we go so <laughs> with that we're going to take our first uh and quick music break here we're going to listen to bob cajun all right we are back you're listening to the green majority here on ciut 89.5 fm or or you might not be. You are well. You are if you're li- li- listening literally right now. right now. Yes, but the right now, the the real, not right now. We're not the record. Okay, <laughs> we're not going to go through uh, Back to the Future logic here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you might also be listening on uh, on our friends over at Rabble. You might be listening on one of our friends, uh, which includes a, uh, s- a series of syndicate radio stations all the way across the country. Uh, you could be listening off our own podcast. Uh, if you are, there's a bonus show. Uh, the bonus show today will be fiery as usual. Although I probably going to be a little bit less colorful than i was last week i think i got that out of my system um but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see we'll see how it goes it depends how the rest of the show goes um but uh that's a bunch of ways you can look for us you can also look for all the resources all the links if you're confused or anything sometimes we uh you know just by very nature the 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 way that the show gets produced a lot of times sometimes we might skim through something very quickly not explain it fully you're always welcome to email us which you can do through the website but another thing you can also do on the website maybe before you email us is check the show post because Mm. we do link all of the stories on the show post you can check it out for there to see you know what we were trying to get at maybe we misphrased something maybe we misspoke maybe we did speak correctly but we didn't explain it really well might uh, be there otherwise please feel free to email us yeah yeah speaking of a, a slight misspeak from last week which was caught by a caught by a intrepid listener yeah actually my my i i think i gave i told i told our our writing in uh, friend that he won the best ever <laughs> listener email award ever and i want to say why mm. uh which is that he made his point he provided references and it was like less than 500 words <laughs> so he they've that is the template you're looking for if you want to reach out and uh, and share something with us here especially if you'd like to 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 attempt to correct us on something which not always will be the case mm-hmm. but you can try um then that's the way to do it yeah he's the winner yeah so uh, so a quick uh, quick note last week at one point we did mention uh, a couple of people quitting uh the neb process uh, i believe we said panel uh but we should have said process because they weren't actually part of the neb uh it was a part they were part of the actual the process that's related to kinder morgan uh go watch her last week's or listen to her last week's show to figure out what that meant uh but i want to get to the last piece of uh of the standing rock update and then we'll and then we'll move on to sort of what this means in a canadian context uh which is this conversation about where we sit now um and where we sit in this larger 
uh, this larger piece of, of, well, we have Obama until January 20th, but what after that? And the short version is you're probably not going to get, you know, it's very, it would be relatively easy for Trump to sort of stack the EIS, um, the impact statement, uh, people who are doing it uh, with people who would not necessarily do a good job. It's an easy way to sort of just like, you know, speed it along to make it sure you're not doing very well. Uh, but the, the upshot uh, is that the the fact that they have to even consider this means that it, none of these it, the approval is not going to is gets delayed at least until when Trump is in office, which is January twentieth, probably a little time after that, uh, which gives times for the contracts to expire, as we mentioned earlier, uh, and then also the quite literally uh, the the worst of winter. Uh, <laughs> the worst of winter signing, which is again, it's one of the funny things when it's like when you, when you talk about these people who like are just sort of out to rabble rouse. It's like you don't rabble rouse in a North Dakota in winter. Like that is that is a very different, uh, a very different experience. Yeah, the uh, the the sort of anarchist stoned teenager image that is largely con- conjured. Do you really think that's where they would go? Yeah, exactly. It's a really? lot. It's a lot warmer and better in other places. You have a lot more faith in stoners than I do, my friend. <laughs> I have to tell you. Yes. Um, so, uh, so to close that uh, that piece, uh, absolutely fantastic win for water defenders there, and uh, the solidarity that was that that, that, that they experienced through through indigenous populations across North America, um, and which leads us to sort of this interesting conversation in Canada, uh, where today uh, there's this big first minister's meeting about climate. Um, and you, we actually expect that we'll see some sort of outcome, uh, which is sounding as if they're going to have a, some sort of plan to, to actually get 30% below 2030, uh, 30% below 2005 levels in 2030, uh, which, is pretty, which is pretty big and a pretty big important piece of information. Um, but the indigenous leaders here in Canada are, are not so excited uh, about about these conversations, mostly because uh, they're they're frustrated. They've been invited to a separate meeting uh, with the prime minister, uh, rather than the same meeting with all of the other with all of the other premiers. Uh, you know, we have this whole thing about how it should be. It's it's you know, and Trudeau will say it over and over again. We have a nation to nation relationship, uh, despite the fact that uh, if we have a nation to nation relationship, why are they not at least even being treated as provinces, let alone actual nations? You know who? You know what's funny about this is that the first nation, so the first ministers meeting actually does have a second nation there, and it's Joe Biden. <laughs> it's not any of the actual quote unquote nations that are existing inside our one collective. It's Joe Biden from the United States is also at this conversation. He's allowed to be at the table, but these First Nation leaders are not. Um, you know, it's especially concerning when you're thinking about the uh, the leaders who are who are taking over the um, who are sorry, who are leading different different uh, indigenous groups that are in uh, in the north because they are the ones who are really being impacted. Uh, you know, we had this whole conversation about how Harper didn't understand Northern security, uh, but rather that we did. Um, and I think that's like a, that's an important piece is that like, you know, is that these indigenous uh, groups and in Inuit from from the north are coming out and fighting and being like, we understand what Northern security means. It means no- fighting climate change. Uh, and then Harper just sent a bunch of you know tanker uh, like like, you know, military ships up there. And it's like we're securing the north. It's like that's not how this works. Um, and so if Trudeau wants to be different, you have to actually start treating these conversations as nation nation conversations. Um, and, you know. They, they need uh, to uh, to quote the uh, 
the First Nations Ontario Regional Chief Isidore Day, uh, pretty simply, uh, First Nations need to be at the table in a substantive way. Uh, and this pre-meeting, uh, the, the pre-meeting is a buffer zone. It's a filter. It's a firewall. It's certainly not an effective way to respect the relationship with First Nations in this country today. And uh, a quick tip of my, uh, our hat, uh, which doesn't happen often on this show, I think, uh, to a politician, uh, which is Premier Kathleen Wynne, who uh, actually supports the push to have Indigenous leader, leaders uh, participate in in these Friday meetings. And more so is, uh, and because, uh, and I have to, I want to point this out only because it's like so often on this on this show we take a we take a swipe people being like it's easy to say something that seems good and politically expedient at the time it's another mm. thing to do something she appears to have said that and appears to actually be putting pressure on other premiers to accept it as well so i think we can actually give a genuine rather than a than a skeptical uh you know clap on this one mm. yeah so it's a it's an important uh yeah so it's so that you know this is this is that's how you have to have these conversations if you you know if you if you this that's what nation to nation conversation looks like is having them at the table um, but we would be doing our job if we also then didn't report what's actually happening at that table, uh, which is this inter- which is it appears to be that there might that it, it's expected to be signed today. Unfortunately, not currently, so I don't get to break live news like we did one time. Um, uh, a plan to actually meet or exceed Canada's 2030 climate target uh, is to be signed today. Now, of course, this is. Uh, what I love about this is all of the quotes in all of the articles I read uh, were basically like, yes, it is great to have a plan. Love having plans. But the hard part is actually doing it, <laughs> uh, which which is, comes back to the conversation we're having last week a little bit of the fact that, you know, the 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 left can continually win policy fights. But if the right keeps winning infrastructure fights, it won't matter. <laughs> Because you can you can have all of the plans you want, but if you're planning while also building coal-fired power plants everywhere, uh, which isn't happening, obviously, but you know, as an example, to be hyperbolic, to, to be hyperbolic, um, it's your plan is great, but we're not the, the infrastructure is built to do something else, like you know what the Transband Pipeline will be doing. Uh, it's hard; to, you can't have both. You can't have both. Is, is this a convenient spot for me to stick something in? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. All right. So uh, I had a thought. I, I was something I wanted to say on the show today, and I, we sort of hadn't really uh, we hadn't really decided where it would go. And I think this this seems like an appropriate spot. Uh, but I'll keep it brief. I have much more to say about this, I assure you. <laughs> uh, we might have to do another show every week if we're going to have keep having this thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's my thing about plans. Uh, so I've been, uh, I've been riding uh, Justin Trudeau pretty hard. And actually, a good time to note as well, I gave a queue up about the a listener email, and then you actually spoke about a different listener yes, email. Yes, So in case that listener is listening... Yes, we have uh, a second listener we have email. A, that, the, or the comments that I was making is about a different thing that yeah. Stefan was pointing out, uh, which was that... And we may get more into this later, but mm. the, the point of the email uh, uh, in brief essentially was uh, that we'd underplayed the role uh, Christy uh, Clark uh, is in, in having a, f- a final decision on this pipeline. Uh, I do have a slightly difference of opinion with the reader about... Uh, how much, how much faith I have in in her to exercise that ability of power, and whether what her true feelings are, regardless of what she says. But the 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 writer, the commenter, was correct in in saying that that she does play a much more important role, and technically does have the last say on that. And as far as I can tell, that is that is true. So that was the listener email. So the thing about plans. So here's the thing. One of the things, you know, I've been going on about, you know, one of the things that, you know, what do we want Justin Trudeau to do about this? Stefan correctly pointed out, as he always does when I start going off the deep end with my comments, was that, you know, he pointed out last week and you've pointed out routinely when I when I start getting really worked up that, you know, 
at some point you can only so much you know within a certain context you can only expect so much of justin trudeau because he's essentially promoting what where most canadians are and my response to that was that's not good enough he needs to actually be fighting for things and not just being a barometer of where people are uh but there's another thing you know he came in and and said that you know we're going to take a serious look we're going to we're going to undo a lot of the damage that the harper government did um and we're going to do this. And so essentially the political capital that he's trying to spend right now is saying, hey, look, we looked at this and, you know, investing in these projects and then improving the Canadian economy is long term the best thing for both the Canadian economy and it's going to provide us the best leverage to fight climate change. That sounds great. In fact, it sounds incredibly reasonable. And if I believed him, I would be I would be, you know, reluctantly supporting his position. But here's the thing about plans. Um, I would like to see. Any plan, any plan at all, uh, it could be scribbled on the back of a napkin. As long as it came from somebody who was actually in a position of power with the liberal government in these planning sessions when they were coming up with their platform, not just the platform they were going to pitch to voters, but the platform that they're actually going to enact, what their what their to-do list was. I would like to really – and I would be shocked. In fact, here's my challenge. If somebody can find this, maybe it's out there. Maybe I just don't know. And that's possible. Uh, if you can find it, anybody, whether you're in the government or maybe a, a listener knows where this is, find me a plan that they considered that did not include expanding any oil. And the reason I think you say, well, OK, come on. Why? You know, but no, but that's the thing is that there's they came into this assuming, OK, well, oil is worth so much money. They're assuming it will stay that way that for so for long enough to justify 40 year pipeline investments uh but it's we're so much money that the the absolute best way to maximize our our usefulness here is to invest in them and then try and be really smart about how we spend the money so i would like to know what plans did they come up with that failed that test that were inferior to the current plan that did not involve investing in oil because i don't think they ever did that and until you've actually tried to come up with a plan that doesn't involve investing in, in continuing to invest in oil. I'm not saying shut the tar sands down. I'm saying a moratorium on expansion. Show me a plan that failed, that was inferior to the current plan, that even considered that line of attack. Because until you've done that, you have zero right to shut out uh, indigenous uh, communities that want to comment and help be part of that process about how we can maintain you know, exactly what they're saying they want, Canada's economy and environment plans, until you've actually had a meeting with youth where you actually listen instead of sit there and talk at them, until you have a meeting where you invite you know, people that don't already agree with you about what the best course of action might be and to then go out and be spokespeople for your pre-designed plan that supports oil infrastructure – I have no use for your claims that this is in the best interest of Canada because how would you know you've never looked at the alternatives? And that is my challenge. If somebody can prove me wrong and find a place where this was seriously considered by the Liberal government and then it was rejected and why, I'm a facts-based person. I'm very happy to admit when I'm wrong. As much of a firebrand as I am, I'm extremely happy to admit when I'm wrong. I will lay off. Not only will I come on the air and admit that I was wrong, mm -hmm. but I will stop. I will agree to stop calling Justin Trudeau a coward for four shows. That's a full <laughs> month. I will stop calling him a coward. Until then, it's, you're a coward, Justin. You're going to the, you're gonna have to choose February just to ensure there's not actually five shows. Oh, a full month. Uh, you know, no, full no. Month. I'll give, if it's February, if somebody does it before now and it becomes February, <laughs> we'll make it five. <laughs>
That's just how generous and reasonable uh, a human you're, being you're, I am. But I don't believe for a second that they even tried. And the reason that matters is because I alone have a dozen ideas about how to do that that aren't just sort of dreamed up, you know, in the shower. Uh, things that are based on on uh, economic evidence, on per plans that I've seen of people who actually are working on the solutions that Stefan keeps talking about. You know, free the youth. They don't want to be fighting pipelines. They don't want to be standing out in the cold. They want to be finding solutions. But you're forcing their hand by refusing to have the conversation that we actually need to have, which is how do we solve this problem without without completely stapling Canada's economy to oil infrastructure for the foreseeable future. It's That was never even considered. And until you have, you have zero right to talk down to people. And I'm talking both to Justin and to all of the detractors who, and all of those people that I was, you know, being colorful language, throwing colorful language at last week about, well, come on, you have to be nicer. Well, consider a plan that's sane and we'll be happy to stop calling you names. The uh, just to, to, to wrap this up because we're it's, it's, we're about to head to the next music break. I did uh, say that would be short. I lied. That's fair enough. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that that, that there is uh, this, these conversations that are set. It's interesting because again, it's it's a perhaps with all of the successes, quote unquote successes that that exist within or, or environmental victories that exist within the Trudeau government um, are these things which are are so difficultly nebulous. To really see the impacts of, you know, there. What's interesting is that at some point you can sort of. I, I find this interesting as, as right. Maybe perhaps this will be a segue to our last section of the show. Uh, is that I find this interesting is is that I keep coming back to this point that narratives are only written backwards. In that when you when you sort of see when you sort of see say even Trump and you pull the narrative backwards, it actually makes a lot of sense. You can you can trace it back to you, you can trace it back a, a long ways and actually follow this sort of narrative. And and then, and then his victory actually makes way more sense than than it felt when it happened. And I'm and I'm curious to see or see where these uh, where these these things that Trudeau is getting through end up. Um, because if we end up in a place where where we actually have a lot of success uh, in reducing our carbon, uh, then we will then a a large credit will have to go to the Trudeau government to get some of these things that currently now seem woefully inadequate, but are at least pan Canadian. Um, and, 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 and the scope is at least where it needs to be without the actual implementation pieces of it. And I think so. Like the question I have that I, will, I still will have, uh, you know, in part I I wanted to show up on terms and saying that I would I would defend that it to me it was the pipelines that would matter, and so to some extent they have failed with Kinder Morgan. But uh, I'm what I'm still interested in is this. When looking back, uh, is this a effort like the successes to get a pan Canadian effort on climate have failed forever? Uh, and to have one and actually that, that is supported by you know even Brad Wall uh, is a is an is an important success in a very specific way, and and so when we when we understand this like wherever we are in ten twenty years I think the I think looking back at this narrative now of what Trudeau has done in this in the in twenty sixteen um, will will speak a lot to uh, to the to where we end up. You know, does this price on carbon actually come into place, and does it last until twenty twenty two when it gets fifty dollars a ton, and does it keep increasing after that? You know, uh, does the does some of the other agreements that he's put in place, and does this agreement that comes out today actually really impact how the rest of Canada has policy? Um, I don't know, and I think there's I think there's there's pieces of it. It's still not it's still not the grand vision that I would like to some extent. Like I would love a grand vision, and I think that's what. 
everyone keeps saying about how we about how it would how we need a wartime effort, but I think we really need a space race effort, right? Like like and and everyone goes on and on about how we don't ha- like what was the last grand vision presented to as a, as a challenge to a populace. Uh, we've sort of the very successful change of narratives of 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 the city, of the country as a as a business has really re- removed the ability of country as a business to actually push this grand narrative um, or push this grand vision because you're a business I'm just you're I'm just consuming your your stuff you don't get to like give me this big hope that's not the point of what we're doing here and so I'm intrigued to see how this narrative works backwards I'm going to jump back on this narrative piece after the music break what do we listen to well I just thought I would uh, I would close uh, that section by saying ask not what the earth can do for you <laughs> ask what you can do for the earth we're going to listen to big wreck because uh, that's the last time I listened to uh, Canadian music. No, there we go. <laughs> no was, I had to Google big shiny tunes because I'm I'm not a music programmer. Is this from way back? This is from this is legitimately from way back. All right, yeah, this is like right in line with Alanis Morissette. <laughs> so we we need to stop telling inside jokes. Yeah, tonight. I know. All right, so this is Big Wreck. That song. We'll be back in a minute with some more. Oh man, that was that was classic shiny tunes, man. That yeah. was I don't I think it was even like one or something, wasn't it? <laughs> something like that. I have no idea. Uh, I just you know the 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 content of that song is about a completely unrelated matter, but mm. the a lot of the a lot of the the things that are said in that song is very much how I'm feeling. Right yeah, there now. you go. I felt like some bass guitar this morning, and that uh, Stefan, you know what I normally listen to. That no, yeah, that rare. was very off uh, off what your normal tune is. That that was that was like a channel right into my teenage angst. Right there. <laughs> Uh, and I occasionally feel that angst to this day. <laughs> Speaking of teenage angst, Breitbart News. Uh, nice segue. Steve. Thank you. I really I, I had to use it. That was not planned. Not though. at all. Um, so to carry on this narrative conversation just briefly, uh, there's this – I know we've, we've, we've gone on and on about how um, – uh, about how this conversation is difficult to have and how much we're going to try to – I am basically trying to avoid talking about things that Trump says he's going to do because he says he's going to do things and does other things all the time. Right. Uh, however, what's important to still start reporting on and, 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 and what I'm getting into right now is it's still important to report on what he says when what he's saying is like you know getting a union leader uh, in Indianapolis death threats. Yeah, or which, getting a pizza place shot up, uh, which both have he, happened. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't say it. Just to be absolutely clear, because yeah. people missed that news. He didn't say that those things should happen. No, but statements of his, well, uh, you know, of support of Breitbart has given legitimacy to Breitbart, and Breitbart agencies like Breitbart are producing fake news, which have led to those things. Yes. just just yeah, in case yeah. anybody missed the. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, to be fair, actually, the 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 first one he legitimately tweeted out an attack on a specific union leader oh, right, in no, but Indianapolis, he but he didn't make the death threat. Oh no. No, 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 no. He, no, he no, inspired no. others no. to send it. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I sorry. <laughs> Definitely was we, not. We need like, to be clear about that. <laughs> as, yes, exactly. Because it's tragically maybe within the realm of possibility. That's why I had to be clear about. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, but yeah. So this, what's what is perhaps the one of the largest concerns coming out of this is this uh, is the lack, the loss of 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 what is understood as news to some extent. You know, uh, it's this post-truth world to some extent, um, or this, or really this, where this just saying facts has become a political stance, to the extent where you know, 
uh, to extent where the Weather Channel has decided to get in a fight with with Breitbart News, uh, in part surrounding this, uh, surrounding a a Trump a, a Trump tweet. Uh, or, or was it no House Science Committee retweeted a Trump article basically saying that things were getting colder, uh, which then, which then, which and then the bright and some of the Breitbart articles that were that were being referenced uh, were referencing the 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 Weather Network, and then the Weather Network basically came out swinging. Uh, and it's a very weird time when the Weather Network is the political is the political force that the world needs to see. Right. It started with John Stewart. Now it's the Weather Network. Yeah. By by the end of 2017, one year into the Trump presidency, God, I can't even believe I have to say that. Yeah. We're gonna have like Girl Scouts, you know, Canada having to release press releases about you know no you know mint cookies don't cause climate change. Yeah. Or, or don't you know yeah. whatever whatever it is it's, whatever it, they're gonna they're gonna be yeah they'll be fighting something. Uh, personally, I think in the end this all comes down to Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. Uh, I think they are going to be the last bastion of political voice against against the Trump presidency. Uh, but the, just to give you a little uh, a note, uh, the Weather Channel recently tweeted out, on December 6th, tweeted out, note to Breitbart News, Earth is not cooling, climate change is real, and stop using our video to mislead Americans, with a graph of temperatures that just very obviously goes up. <laughs> just want to say, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's difficult to talk about this because... It's. It feels like you're at a time warp, uh, going back to you know five, ten years ago when when all climate activism was was trying to convince convince people it exists, and and now you get to a point where major oil companies, major oil producing nations like Saudi Arabia are actively planning to move off oil, um, and and you have all of the major governments in the world, uh, or almost all the major governments in the world, 191 countries come together to sign the Paris Climate Agreement. These are this. This should no longer be the debate we're fa- we're having, and yet we're finding this find this debate continually resurface because we don't understand. We've accepted that every every kind of side might be legitimate, and every kind of argument might be legitimate. Uh, and you have a jump in. No, no. What I was just going to say just before we moved off that point as well, and this is sort of what I'm getting at too, is but you know, regardless of what decisions Trudeau makes, and regardless of what decisions Trump makes, um, the world is going full speed as much as with you know the people that are moving are going full speed towards renewable energy the renewable energy takeover is inevitable we're just talking about timeline and one of the things i want to point out really quickly just to add to that was in addition to that and i think this is why it's so dangerous why the misunderstanding of canadians and 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 trudeau acting through them i think knowing better but feeling like this is the best he can do i think he's wrong but i think he legitimately thinks this is the best he can do is to go along with this insufficient but appearingly to do something sort of climate policy um, is that you know even companies like uh, uh, Google and Facebook, some of the largest single customers uh, on you know of energy on Earth, are now not just saying they want to move to 100% renewable energy, but if you uh, if you allow for the sort of overlap of uh, the idea that. Uh, they're you know whatever they can't build themselves they're purchasing to not offset but you know we we took this much energy so we're buying this much solar the fact that those solar molecules didn't go to our machines you know so if you forgive that then th- they basically are <laughs> so like 2015 uh, uh, Google uh, uh, is uh, stands at 93 percent 
uh, renewable energy, including these purchases, which I think is totally legitimate. I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's like the whole like offset problem. They're, oh, yeah. they're purchasing not... the amount of energy that goes to the things. They just have no way of channeling it 100% to their things. Yeah. I don't think that's relevant. They're not buying yeah, – the, the problem with carbon offsets usually is it's things like I'm going to buy land in a southern developing nation and not cut down the trees and count that as offsetting. Right. And that's not what they're doing here to my understanding. So they're, in 2015, they hit 93%. Don't underestimate – think about the data centers. Uh, yeah. It's that huge. they do that they're one of like they're one of the largest and I, mean, I don't have the list in front of me but they're let me so let me rephrase that they're massive on a global scale they're massive consumers of energy and the the financial decisions and their investments and where they put money is extremely important 93 percent in 2015 resulting in 5.7 terawatt hours which is trillions of hours Terra is, is the trillion. So we're talking about nine, nine plus zeros. Wait, how many zeros? No, that might be – I forget how many zeros that is. <laughs> A lot of zeros off the top of my head. Uh, terawatt hours of solar and wind. And what's also important about that is – and again, regardless of what Trudeau does and regardless of what Trump does, uh, because they see the writing on the wall. They see it's inevitable. They, to some degree, also have a, a genuine sense of corporate social responsibility. There's uh, problems with them elsewhere. Uh, Apple's doing the same thing. They're also moving towards renewable. They also have huge issues elsewhere with social responsibility. Uh, but give them credit where credit is due and criticize them where it's due, uh, are going to be making these purchases. And what happens is because they're, because they're such gigantic customers, they are able to essentially set the rules, right? If they're buying, uh, you know, if they're the you know, result of in a local power company's, you know, 25% of their total sales of energy because of their, one of their data centers happens to be in that area, they have an, a massive ability to impact what development that does. And so what they're doing is they're not just going and buying wind and solar where it's available. They're also going to these companies and saying, we want to buy more from you, but we're only going to buy wind and solar from you. Build more and we'll buy more. Right. If you, we, we have a data center here, we might want to have two, but you need to be able to have the capacity to provide us with renewable energy or at least the equivalent of renewable energy to do that. This is what we're talking about. So the whole idea that, well, Trump's in office now, so we just have to get with the program. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we had somebody else? Uh, but this is the reality and we just have to protect our economy. Is it, That's a flawed argument. It's an incomplete argument. Uh, and that's me putting it as mildly as possible. Yeah, and that's a, it's, it's important note. It's important to note that that there's so much momentum already going within the within the renewable energy system that Trump actually can't stop that piece. Yeah, he can he can do serious damage. Oh yeah, but yeah. it will not be stopped. No, yeah. Um, and and to, to quickly just jump back to this this news thing, uh, if only to to, to make a, a a general plea to uh, to to our listeners, which is there is a. This this fake news thing is being often now now a lot of things I'm seeing on social media is like comparing quote unquote fake news to propaganda, which is very accurate, but in a specific subset of of, of terms, in that when you when you understand fake news as a it what that does is it implies that all fake news is only a problem within the movement that supports Trump uh, or supports the current power systems. And and that's just not the case. Like fake news comes in a f- bunch of different ways. It comes in propaganda for sure, but also disinformation, conspiracy theorists with which and conspiracy theory and and uh, and the last one is clickbait. Like all three all four of these are different ways of having, you know, fake news conversations basically. And Right now, as it stands, the left and in left wing sites are just—they're just as likely to be as many clickbaity disinformation conspiracy theory arguments on the left as there are on the right. Now, as the current stands, because the left isn't really in power, there's a lot less propaganda pieces. Uh, but the rest of this is still a problem because it still feeds the overarching system that implies there isn't that implies that news isn't isn't real. 
or the facts aren't real. And and that's and that empowers all both sides. You know, like I love I posted this thing recently on on, on Twitter because there was this moment where I was I was scrolling through my Facebook feed, which you know has been going on and on about it doesn't have a fake news problem, and then it was and then it was like and then it, the, the first thing it suggested to me on the top of their like weird trending things, which still doesn't work, uh, but anyways, was this thing to like real patriot news, which is which is a quintessential piece of 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 this kind of you know propaganda disinformation conspiracy theory clickbait kind of place and. You know, and in supporting the the left versions of the left wing versions of these still, you know, disinformation centers is still detrimental to the overall cause of having science matter. Yeah. Uh, so if you can, uh, all I ask is choose three or four people who generally disagree with each other, but generally at least will admit they're wrong. You know, I like I like going with like you know a couple New York Times reporters, uh, and then someone you know, and then uh, you know Glenn Greenwald because he hates mostly everybody, um, and you know, and then uh, and then you know, and then a couple of people from like the sort of the the center la- center right, um, and th- if you if all of them generally agree about a thing, you can generally agree that's a thing, uh, but if there's disinfor- if there's even fights within those subsets, it's you have to do that kind of research uh, or before you share something, and again I do the same thing. I know I've shared a couple things that were wrong hey i checked in at standing rock uh which turned out to be a, a complete hoax basically but it was an interesting sort of experiment but it was it didn't do anything um and and so it's easy to get swept up in these things so don't feel bad about it but you can yeah we're, you, nobody's you can attacking you we're all we're all humans yeah. but the point is to make mistakes so we've only got two minutes here left and there's one thing i wanted to to, to add on to that mm. uh which was basically uh that so one of the I'm going to reference here an article that National Observer uh, posted recently is a, it's a, essentially it's an op-ed piece uh, written by a uh, either by or about an award-winning uh, Canadian scientist I'm not going to go too much into it. we're in the last like minutes here but I just want to read what he's saying and then have a quick comment that to end the show so a quote from this scientist saying he's basically saying <clears throat> the title of the article is award-winning scientist says compromise needed on climate debate and so that I was like oh no here we go again <clears throat> I didn't actually agree with what he said but I think one of the things he said is worth some more emphasis than he emphasized. <clears throat> So, quote, by saying these things are occurring, it's not an attack on a carbon-hungry world, he said. I drive a car, I heat my house. It's not like I'm saying all these people that are pro-pipelines are somehow evil. That commonality, that mutual respect, is so critical right now in a world that wants to become more isolationist. It's the wrong way to go. Second statement. There has to be at least dialogue that's based on a middle ground, but the middle ground that's based on thoughtful perspectives that are well substantiated. And so what he's essentially saying is, come on, everybody to calm down. We need to have a discussion about this and maybe like a little bit of compromise is, is necessary. But he, I feel like he underemphasized the most important part of this, which is the problem you are talking about, which is that all perspectives within the realm of things that are rational and, and factual are legitimate begging for for 10 freaking years on this show is an honest and rational discussion of what's factual. The problem is, is that so much of things that are just simply not true and are not substantiated are allowed into the discussion. And I, and part of that blame, I rest at Justin Trudeau for not fighting against people who are just talking nonsense and stand on them smiling on the stage, smiling instead. That's all the time we have for the main show. Stefan has another comment. I have to be leave for the bonus show. Thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT. Check the website for more. If you don't have the bonus show, you can listen to that on our podcast, which is at greenmajority.ca. Have a good green week, folks, and we will be right back next week, I should say. If you enjoyed the program today and would like to hear more of it, you can help support the show by becoming a Green Majority member. You can do that at greenmajority.ca or go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Green Majority and sign up today.
All right, we're on the bonus show this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're going to carry the conversation into the area of really the nuts and bolts of where this conversation is breaking down. Of course, you know, I defend uh, routinely on the show very strongly, Stefan, I would say, and, and I'm proud of that strong defense of, I think, the most fact-based point of view. But as we were talking about, unfortunately, and we didn't actually get to, but there was a story there that we had flagged uh, of a Trump surrogate on TV saying, essentially, there's no such thing as facts anymore. And that's to a certain extent is true because what she, I mean, you know, she was like laughed at and people, this was tweeted. Oh my God, this is a thing. No, but what she was actually talking about, I actually agree with. And what she was, because what she was talking about was the idea that in the minds of individuals, their point of view is factual and, and that people just generally just stick to what they think. And so essentially what she was saying, and the problem with what she said, isn't the fact that she said, you know, facts don't exist because in the context of what she meant by that, I agree with her. Facts don't exist anymore. Mm. And that's a problem. That's the thing that where we part ways is because what she was essentially saying was actually something that I think I could correlate to what my criticism of Justin Trudeau is, which is whether or not people are correct, people are where they are and we have to deal with that. Mm. And that's my criticism that I gave him last week. And I'll reiterate very quickly here was that no, that's not good enough. You're in a position to affect that. But without getting back into that whole thing, what we're hearing, what we're going to talk about is that narrative, the conversation that isn't happening because people don't break out of it, um, despite you know my suggestions about how we might break out of that. Uh, the implication of that conversation is that we've never really had the conversation. We've never the conversation that I alluded to in, from that clip from the guy at the end of the thing. I agree with him. I think he's being a little bit naive. Um, that just being because uh, he seemed to be on that. Hey, if we were nicer, maybe this would work. Thing, uh, I don't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to. I think you have to strongly defend the, like the facts, uh, and that we have to have an assistance and and press people on it and get because because we create too much room for people to allow them to allow people allow high profile people by allowing high profile people to repeat things we know aren't true unchallenged. Sure, you can't go after you know Bob Smith in in Nova Scotia who might, you know, believe that climate change is a hoax, but you can sure go after the political, you know, conservative political leader of his riding for agreeing with him. Uh, that is absolutely fair game. Um, and I think that's where that conversation is breaking down. But the whole point of that is that there is a conversation that isn't happening. And that's what Stefan wants to talk about. Yeah. That, so yeah, right when you finish the, the, the show, I was going to jump in and then I, and then we didn't have time. And it's, it's this point that I, that I, that I didn't fully articulate in the show and I want to get to now, which is really just this fact that, in all of the sort of battles uh, that we see, you know, whether it's pipelines versus climate or, you know, protesting versus working within the system or anything, any kind of thing where there's sort of like this, you know, where, where there's these two sides that are fighting about it, uh, fighting about something and, uh, and then this divide in the middle. I feel like it's very, very rare now, and maybe has always been rare. But I think it's been. I think, uh, but I don't. You know, I'm not old enough, and I'm not a historian, so I can't tell you if this is always the case. But I feel like we've generally decided that we don't get to have complicated and nuanced discussion in public anymore. The public doesn't get to have or see or be a part of the actual nuanced decision making that exists within the world. Um, I I think that the media has largely decided that it's going to report on f- on on facts or on statements rather than actually try to weigh the facts and statements 
on both sides and actually allow the public to then have a larger conversation. Uh, so for and and the it's only becoming harder and harder as as more as the what counts as news and who is news and whether and, and uh, expands and proliferates. Well, and just really quickly, I mean, I was reading something the other, the, this week. There was an interview with the head of I forget what you know major American broadcast network it was, but essentially he literally said that you know the job of the media is not to fact check; it's to report. Like he's like that's what reporters do; they report. So if Donald Trump says that climate change is a hoax, the only job and the limit of their job starts and ends with saying that Trump said climate change is a hoax. Yeah. And that really is the mindset. And I say, okay, well, if you want to be really literal about terms, then sure, that is their job of a reporter. But I don't want reporters. I want journalists. And a journalist's job is to fact check. That is their only job is to fact check. Yeah. And and, and, to, and so, to, so to put a – to try to give an example that might help, help explain my, 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 my feeling is – the, even that, let's like let's just choose Kinder Morgan as an example. Uh, the decision for Kinder Morgan uh, that was the discussion that to, to, on Kinder Morgan that was de- was decided on in the discussion that should have actually you know yeah, I say should have because I bet you there's a ton of politic conversation as well as you know a, a, of a larger conversation of what well, does accepting Kinder Morgan mean that I'm allowed to get this price on carbon through and all these other trade offs that are happening. Um, but let's just let's pretend let's get rid of let's get rid of politics for now and just talk about the conversation that could have been had it had about Kinder Morgan, which is he which is a these are which is a okay Canada's Canada's you know economy is doing this well uh, they have these are these are the things that we want like these are the reasons why I want to do this right uh, the the Kinder Morgan pipeline is is one of the only, if not the only, uh, Western facing pipeline that currently exists, uh, and if at the very least it, it it is is the biggest or was the biggest and will be definitely be the biggest, um, and and eighty percent of that oil currently actually goes to that comes out of Kinder Morgan actually goes to California and not out into the east, um, but if the conversation that we should be having here is, well, these are the advantages of this. And one of the questions I actually asked Trans Mountain himself when I sent them the media request was, "How does this fit within the 1.5 degree degree uh, Paris contribution?" Because if if we're having that, if, if it, like there's a certain subset of premises, and the reason why people get turned off from all these conversations is because we're each conversation presumes a bunch of premises which aren't being mentioned, and then are being then. Are, are then are then are the, and then and then they and then someone who's because humans are smart, the media observers are smart, understand that the that the conversation doesn't make any sense because the premises just don't work, don't add up, and then and then and therefore they get turned off because it doesn't make it because you're not having your conversation then because you're just yelling about premises to some extent right, and and you know Kim Martin is an example. The 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 environmentalist side that you know that obviously we subscribe to on the show is within a limit of of two degrees global warming, which ha- which you know has a long back of why two degrees is in- is important. Now again, it's it's um, it's definitely not exactly two degrees, which also is a whole nuanced piece. But like roughly two degrees is an important milestone for for these reasons. Understanding that. Uh, this is the, the you know this is the next you know on a single that Kinder Morgan relatively spends a big big amount of our, our budget uh, uh, for for you know for carbon to be to be emitted over a long time frame during which we actually need to see a decrease of oil um, and so these are the reasons why we don't think this is a good idea. 
you also can take the hard hardline stance of different things. You know, like for example, at Salawatu, uh, you know, you're not going to. No carbon argument is going to solve them because their water they're protecting their inlet and their and their native lands, which is a very different conversation as well. Um, and then so you have that side, and then you have the the business side being like, this is what their stock looks like. This is what the, this is how much money they're they're supposed to make. This is how much money they they need to make for the you know for whoever to stay and keep their job basically. Um, and and the Canadian government is deciding, okay, well this is the value of this to Canada. And and the premises there are that you know more GDP is important that Alberta is hurting because of the low price of car low price of oil and all these other things, and so the real actual conversation that should that that that, that public the public could be having with Kinder Morgan is do the particular benefits of this particular pipeline. Um, and the fact that you know it's a, you know that it's a, that it, it's a twinning, and so it's not exactly the same. So it's you know it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit easier than a, just building a whole new pipeline, like and about all the other sort of things. Do those benefits? Are we willing to accept the risk of 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 of, of run of of us adding a little bit more to runaway climate change? Because again. Canada's contribution again is, is also different, and then the you know, and then the, the economic argument of what happens when if you move off oil. But like, can we accept these these pieces of of of, of benefit for these pieces of risk? And that one, those two pieces, the the true explanation of why people like it and the true explanation of why people don't like it are never in the same article. You get one article that's ninety five percent. This will this pipeline will not be built because it because it, because it, because it, it shoots through carb, or carbon pricing and all this sort of stuff, and then says, but business interests are are, are impressed. And the other article is ninety five percent all the business value with environmentalists are fighting it. We're not having the conversation. Yeah, and we've and I don't know if, I don't know if we've lost that or just never been happening. But and but if you want the public, the actual public, to have an actual decision about what we're doing. You have to actually present both those sides with a nuanced understanding of the value on both sides. And it's there are some places you can get occasionally get this, but it's just it's so not happening. Right. And I, so I, I won't reiterate. I have nothing to add to that uh, section, Stefan. I, 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 I agree with everything you said. I just want to add, and, it, and it, I might seem like a broken record here, but I think the, this is the critical, this is the linchpin. And I'm not just saying this because I want to, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody to yell at, Stefan. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm trying to urge people to wake up and change what they're doing. So this criticism is constructive criticism in the sense that I really hope that some of this sinks into somebody out there's head. Maybe it's a future politician who's a younger person who's listening to this program right now. Maybe by some you know magic, uh, an actual political leader within uh, any of the political parties is actually listening right now. Um, please, I beg you. This is how politics for the last, you know, foreseeable recorded history and, you know, let's say recorded history of the Internet. No, Uh, you know, for the recent past, this has been the way that all political conversation has appeared to happen as far as I can tell the world over. But absolutely for sure within North, North America, which is that quote unquote the left and by the left in this context, I'm speaking about political parties, establishment political parties. The left says we want to be fair. We want to be the party for the entire people. We're the party of progressive values. So here's, you know, we've looked at the evidence. We have the facts on our side. Here's what a reasonable compromise is between our position, what we theoretically would like if we had no opposition, and what you're saying you want. 
So ahead of time, we're going to propose a platform that's in the middle of those things. And that's what they defend. And that's what Justin Trudeau is defending, right? Mm -hmm. Is the middle of the platform. The problem is, is that the right wing doesn't play that way. (laughs) What the right wing does the world over is says, great, you want to negotiate? Here's my list of demands. And so what you get is one party says all of the things that they want. We're not even getting into political theory. We're not even getting into corruption. We're just talking about political messaging. The right says, here's a list of things I want. And the left says, here's half of the things you want. And then they negotiate. And then they fight. And so what do you get when you do that? When you preconcede halfway to, a, to, a, a, to a, somebody who's trying to get the best deal for themselves, and you give up half of the ground before you even enter the negotiation and then start negotiating, is no matter who you elect, you either get a full Republican platform, a complete sellout to corporate interests, which is, the, which is Donald Trump, or you get somebody who is only halfway sold out, who's pitching halfway sold out. And what you get is you either get 75% sold out to corporate interests or 100% sold out to corporate interests. And those are the choices we're left for. So when people say that we're extreme, right? So when people might say, you know, somebody might listen to this program and think, oh, there's a bunch of absolutely just, you know, batshit crazy liberals. Well, we're, you know, if nothing else, we're all we're doing is doing the exact same thing the right wing is doing, which is here's my list of demands. Let's negotiate from there. I don't accept the the 50 percent pre-concession that the quote unquote left wing politicians propose, because that's your starting place for negotiation, not your pitch, because you still have to go through that political process. So the blame for allowing misinformation to be part of the conversation is not because of people like us, Stefan, who are who are fighting for, you know, the what things based on reality and based on facts, what's happening is that people who are basically allowing that to be part of the political conversation. The problem is not that we're extreme, Stefan. The problem is that Justin Trudeau and people like him and everything that he represents, which is the I really want to do good, but I have this inherent sense of fairness and I'm extremely naive about how politics works. And so I'm going to give up half the game before we even start negotiating uh, is that that is the problem. Right. So what the problem is that Justin Trudeau is not sounding enough like us, not that we're not sounding enough like Justin Trudeau. If Justin Trudeau had a little bit of backbone and I'm speaking to basically any political leader here now anywhere, if you're on the left, fight for what you want. If somebody comes out and says climate change isn't real, if Brad Wall comes out and says this is all nonsense, if you stand on a stage next to Ian Anderson, whose personal position, I have no idea what Kinder Morgan's official position is, although I would measure that it's probably similar, that climate change isn't real, you say you're wrong. You're factually wrong and I can prove it. And you go on the attack and you say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find a way to protect Canada's oil industry. And I'm even going to give you some pipelines, but you're damn wrong. Climate change is real and you're, and you're factually incorrect. And by the way, here's a list of other things I want. And then you negotiate and then you get in the middle. And that's how you get into the middle of, of where you get a range of solutions that span the political spectrum. When it's, when the actual middle is the actual middle, not the middle of 50% and hundred percent what the right wing wants. And by the right wing, I mean corporations. <laughs> and that's the problem. And that's why I blame all, put all the blame on the politicians, because they're the ones that are allowing people like us to seem extreme by being 50% sold out to things that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here, and this is as nice as I can be, that they know are wrong, as opposed to the fact that they're actually corrupt and don't care what's true, or just somehow, despite having access to unprecedented amounts of information and consultations and scientists, having millions of dollars worth of scientists working for you to provide you with factual information, and just not reading it, or something. Right? So that's the problem. And that's why I always go after the politicians, because they're the ones that have the possibility to affect the conversation in public far more so than anybody else. 
And when Justin Trudeau comes out and says that pipelines are, are uh, you know, compatible with a climate future, that makes people like us look extreme. But if you actually sat down with a bunch of people and, and, and only had a conversation with scientists, we are absolutely in line with what the science says. There's no political bias here. The only political bias that's coming out is, is my distaste and all the, all the punditry I add to it. It's my choice of words. It's my colorful language. But it's not the facts. And, and that's, that is why I, am, I put this squarely on the blame of Justin Trudeau. Because he's not fighting hard enough. Because he's refusing to fight instead of just preconceding and taking the path of least resistance. That will be the death of us. I'm going to give you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to give a very short uh, and potential, be final potential rebuttal. Uh, not rebuttal, but a potential piece of uh, piece of argument, which is that you. Let's compare two different uh, two different political leaders, um, both liberals, uh, both uh, and and. Different, different leaders themselves, which I think is, is, is a big piece of this for sure. Uh, Stefan Dion and, and, and Justin Trudeau both wanted a price on carbon nationally. Stefan Dion came out in, with, and ran on a, and ran on it. Ran on, ran on price on carbon, ran on a green shift, ran on perhaps one of the most green platforms we will, we will see run on, we will see in our, you know, maybe our lifetime. Uh, and got shelled. Just shelled. Trudeau came out, ran. Now Trudeau comes out, runs on whatever his platform was, um, which you know at this point barely matters, anyways. Given the given the fact that he literally tweeted out that 2015 will be the last one under proportional representation, and now almost certainly we will not get as our under first past the post. Almost certainly we will not get anything there. Um, but at the end of four years, we might actually have a national press on carbon. And so there's so I, I to, to to while I understand like your point is is fair is fair you need political leaders to stay to state the facts and to lead right and and to lead from the to lead from the front instead of from the back. Well, the and, to, and to ask for all of the things you want right. rather than saying, well, there's a bunch of stuff I'd like, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give up half of them because I'm trying to be fair. If that only works if the other side does that too. Right, and and I think and I think this might, might speaks perhaps a bit more. In, Further to the to the to the piece of, um, of of what you do once you once you govern rather than how do you how do you you know how do you actually run? Um, but there's my only point is that I think what we have to keep remembering, as I said as I last time, is that there is a level of which we have to find a way to have a conversation with the Canadian people to understand that the actions Trudeau is taking are not lined up with science. If the Canadian people don't understand the, the actions Trudeau is taking in a lot of science, then he, to some extent, is his hand is forced to act as if he to act the same way because he can't come out and 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 demand that we actually act lines of science. And what's interesting, the only the only place the only places right now in the entire world that are actually acting like the science actually exists are the small Pacific island nations who are the most at risk. And 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 I think that's why if, 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 this is actually a, this is how I'll end this, uh, which is if what that tells me and what I think that takeaway should be is that you have to listen to the most marginalized to understand where the conversation should be because if your if your policies are silencing a percentage of the people who are who are the most likely to impact, for example, like even throwing back to the earlier part of the show, the Inuit right now in the north. 
uh, if your policies are shutting out the voice of the most vulnerable to the thing you're talking about, then you're not doing enough. And if and and that's it. If you're if you if it, and if you're so and on that that's applies to any policy. If the most marginalized are not being are not being heard or protected by your policy, your policy is not doing enough because they're the ones who are actually li- have lived experience rather than the pol- political games you're theoretically playing. All right. Well, so I just uh, I, yeah, I have yeah. to clarify one thing. I yeah, yeah. only wish that. Uh, I, I think you actually just I, I I do agree with that, but the reason I, I don't accept that as a as a rebuttal uh, will just be the fact that that what I wasn't saying was that Justin Trudeau needs to talk more about science. What I was saying, and I think in in a way in in a way I think you actually proved my point. And and what I mean by that was that the difference I think the biggest difference between Stephen Dion and Justin Trudeau is not the strength of their environmental platform because you're right he has to you have to meet people where they're at and that was and and justin trudeau's uh pitch was much more successful than stefan dion's was there's no question about that but the biggest difference between stefan dion and justin trudeau is that even though i don't like what he's fighting for justin trudeau is a fighter hmm. and stefan dion was extremely passive <laughs> even when he was trying to fight he seemed like a really sweet old man and that's the problem. That's why I think what you just said actually proved my point rather than refuting it because what it attests to is the success of fighting for something. I just think Justin Trudeau needs to set his sights higher on what he fights for. But anyway, I think we'll end it there. Thank you so much for listening. We tried to keep it short and we're just over 20 minutes. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you have an opinion about this, by all means, despite my fervor, I am actually a very reasonable person and, and will listen to outside comments. <laughs> Stefan is as reasonable as he sounds like he is, so he, of course, will as well. Please email us. If you have any thoughts about this, we welcome your input. We love email. Please write us. You can do that at greenmajority.ca. Other than that, have a good Green Week, folks, and we hope you listen to us next week. Take care. Yay.